Hi, friends. I want to let everybody know that after a longer delay than I had initially planned, I'm opening up Flourishing at Work in Academia as a year-long renewable membership program for academic folks. The doors open in October 2022, but enrollment is ongoing. Flourishing is a membership because flourishing is a mindset that requires practice. The get it all done in eight weeks boot camp mentality added more rush and pressure for me and for my clients than felt good. And so over the course of a year, each month in the membership, I'll share content and tools on a topic that's relevant to your professional development. And this is not the content that HR and faculty affairs put out. No budgets, banner, tableau, no databases, no scheduling forms, no class schedules. In Flourishing at Work in Academia, we talk about defining success for yourself, creating a vision for your current career stage that's simple and actionable, prioritizing your time and attention on the things that really matter to you, what boundaries actually look like, developing a warm audience for your scholarship, community, trust, and a good mindset for doing the work that you're meant to do in this world. And as a member, you will also get to experience me challenging you a little bit on things like why tracking your time might make sense, why LinkedIn isn't that bad, and what developing a mindfulness practice might look like and what the benefits might be. We'll meet live twice a month, and you can watch the recording if the time doesn't work out for you, and you can watch past recordings if from before your join date. Um, in the first session, I'll offer more content. In the second session of the month, we'll do coaching, Q&A, things like that. This is not a pre-recorded class, but an evolving community of people who want to be well while doing good in the world. I invite you to go to my website and click on Work With Me, and under Group Coaching, you'll find the enrollment link for Flourishing at Work in Academia. The direct link is also in the podcast description on your podcatcher for this episode. You can also email me at jennifer at jenniferaskey.com and I'll get you enrolled and we'll set up your one-on-one onboarding call so that you can chart your path through the year with me. Um, I really look forward to seeing you in the membership because I believe that personal and professional development for academics is pretty much the same thing. So let's join hands and work on that together. Thank you. Welcome to the Mindful Academy podcast with me, Jennifer Askey. I'm a professional certified coach and academic workplace consultant. On this podcast, I talk about doing well personally, so that you can perform well professionally. I talk about intentional career planning and about how to get out of your own way and align yourself with success. Thank you for joining me. Hi, everybody. I'm Jennifer Askey, and I'm a coach for academics and academic administrators. And this podcast is probably going to be a little short, but I just came out of two all-day facilitation gigs, one with undergraduates and one with um, university technical support. Very different populations, but some similar insights. 
And so I want to share one of those key insights with you that has to do with siloing and communications and change management at universities. So when you, if, if you've ever been part of a strategic planning exercise for your department, or if you've ever been given an engagement survey, or if you've ever served on a university-wide committee or Senate or something like that, you've either said or heard, we need to break down silos. We need better communication. We need more communication, right? So these words, silos and communication, get used in myriad contexts in higher education. And today I had a little bit of insight as to what the vague use of those words results in for us. So in today's session, I was talking with some technology folks and, um, and they were in tables having individual conversations at their table and then reporting back. And at one point um, somebody was saying, wow, like, if, if this new model, this new team structure is going to work, we need improved communication. And this came up in a couple different conversations about improved communication. And then as we moved on, a few things were said and my interest was sparked and I circled back to it. And it occurred to me, when people say we need improved communication, we need better communication, we need to work across silos, we need to break down silos, we need to work interdisciplinarily, etc. I think it is shorthand or vagary, <laughs> vague speech for something else entirely because improved converse, improved communication, right, is not or rarely is um, more communication about the work at hand. Now, when you're under when you're part of some big huge change, there might be a phase where the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And then just simple, more communication. We have new procedures. Here they are the following week. Hey, do you remember? We still have new procedures. Here they are, right? There is messaging that just needs, there is messaging where we just need to turn up the frequency on it. That's fine. But I think that the, the ongoing decades long conversation around silos um, and better and the need for better communication is actually pointing to something dramatically different. I think when people say we need better communication, what they mean is we need more empathy. We need more self-awareness and we need more other awareness and we need to approach both of those things with empathy. Because, so I work with two different assessments that offer a description of your working preferences. One is the working genius model from Patrick Lencioni's table group. Um, and it has sort of six working styles that map onto a project cycle. And the other is UK-based. It's called the Belbin Team Role Assessment. It has nine working styles. And it, But in both of these frameworks, it, it, when you complete an assessment, you learn like from your most to your least preferred style, how do you feel about each of these six and or nine ways of working? And... Um, so the discussion around these assessments, and we didn't do the assessment, I was just offering them as a, a different way to think about role clarity. Like, I know you're a systems administrator. I know that you're an assistant professor. I know that you're my department administrator. I know that you're a chair. Um, that's that's a job card. That's a job description. Um, a different way to think about role clarity is, 
Are you a people person? Are you an ideas person? Are you an action person? Are you a big picture person? Are you a tiny details person? Are you a behind the closed doors editing polishing person? Or are you a front of the room cheerleader person? Right? So that we understand not just the job we're working with, but the person we're working with. And without, and so I was describing this kind of clarity and somebody said, well, wow, if you expect me to know that, that, that's a lot of work. Like that's a lot of work to get to know my colleagues that way. It's like, huh, this is coming from, from people who just 15 minutes earlier had talked about improved communication. And it, and that's kind of when it smacked me upside the head, that those two things are intimately related. Improved communication A, is hard work and takes time, and B, it's not about the substance of the work, or very rarely does it need to be about the substance of the work. It's the how of the work. How are we going to get this done? What is important to you in this process? Um, What skills do you want to lean on in this process? What do I already know about the way you work? How might you self-advocate for how you want to work? How might you advocate for the people around you, um, right? Like if your department is merging or if you're sharing an admin person or if you run a lab, if you have graduate students and postdocs, like there's the work to get done, but there are the people to grow as well. And so conversations, improved communication is improved self-awareness and improved other awareness. And you get those with empathy. And I I think that, and um, I've worked over the course of my career, both as faculty and as staff in the US and Canada across six or seven different universities. And every university has governance procedures. And depending on what's happening in the budgets or in, in the political landscape, those governance procedures can get kind of, those fora can get testy, right? People can get very, um, get emotional, they can get upset, they can argue with their colleagues, right? And if you've ever witnessed those, you may agree with me that the substance of the argument is usually an excuse for something else. And so the how of our work, like, are we going to merge those departments? Are we going to share an administrative person? Are we creating a new major? Right? We may not understand what our colleagues are doing because it isn't in our field, but ultimately, if we're arguing, it's because we don't feel seen. We don't feel respected. We don't feel understood. And feeling seen and respected and understood happens in an environment of psychological safety and empathy where you feel safe saying, hey, this is really important to me. Hey, I am concerned that if we create that new major, it's going to siphon people away from mine. How might I partner within my department or across the college to counteract that fear, be proactive? How might, right? Those sorts of things. We are afraid in those professional contexts to show our vulnerability. We're afraid to put ourselves out there and say, this is what is at stake for me, right? And if we are afraid to do that, if it does not feel safe to say, this is the how of my work, this is the, these are the values that are attached to my work. This is what I get out of it and what I want to preserve. If we don't feel safe saying that, then we're going to get out the handbook and we're going to find, you know, article this, number that, um, and 
do what in German is called Principien Reiterei, like we're going to get on our, our principal horse and ride it to death um, because we don't feel safe being authentic and vulnerable. And you can't snap your fingers and create psychological safety. But I will point out that whether you're talking about change management, whether you're talking about innovation, growth, like all of those things, psychological safety is absolutely necessary. If you want people to come along with you in change through uncertainty, if you want people to buy what you're selling, right, whether it's in the classroom or in the department or further afield, they need to feel safe. And we feel safe when we feel like we can show up as whole people and say, hey, this is what's at stake for me. These are my values. And it it, it creates an environment of safety where those conversations are normal. Right now, I think that because in academia, um, the a lot of the model is everybody is kind of alone in their office, and everybody is an independent contractor, and we don't come together as as empath- empathic individuals and have those meaningful exchanges on the regular. Um, that we might need a lot of groups might need a little helping hand, a little boost to start the conversation. And that's where for me in my work, that's where assessments come in, where we do an assessment around like, what's your working style preference? And um, like I, I did this work with a group of engineers a while ago. And as a humanist by training, I maybe had a story that in this room full of engineers, they were going to share certain work style preferences that were very much sort of subject matter, matter expertise focused, where they wanted to contribute really deeply on a narrow bandwidth, right? So I'm not going to do a lot, but I'm going to do it in super intensely around my subject matter expertise. I'm going to self-start there and I don't want to have to deal with all of the ancillary stuff. That might have been the story I was telling and I was wildly inaccurate because just because that's the, the stereotype of your subject matter doesn't mean that that's who you are as a person. Maybe you're super relational and you don't like working alone and so you have a big lab. Maybe you don't like the practicalities at all. And you are just a big out-of-the-box thinker. Maybe you're the, the best networker ever. Maybe you're the polish, uh, refined, dot I's, cross T's, perfected person. We need all of those people. And sometimes giving a group the language around that so that when they encounter forks in the road, moments of change, moments of instability, they have more vocabulary about why something might feel uncertain, why something might feel uncomfortable. And they've learned a framework that helps them understand that their colleague, even though they share disciplinary backgrounds, even though they might share research interests, will approach the interpersonal business of growth and change, uncertainty, um, decision-making, arguing, will approach that radically differently. So improved communication. Breaking down the silos is not talking about work. It Once the org chart is there, fiddling with that and explaining it ad nauseum is not going to be the magic sauce. The magic sauce is going to be self-awareness, other awareness, and empathy. And I love this work. I think it's super important faculty, staff, anybody, um, because the way universities function is starting to change. Like in order to continue to provide the kind of education 
that institutions provide with changing student demographics, decreasing budgets, all of those things. We, I'm not sure that the model of um, everybody's an independent contractor is, is the successful model. So if we're going to change the way we work, we might need to change what we're talking about. So thank you so much for joining me today. I will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about more insights from the coaching world as it applies to your job in academia. Please reach out with questions, comments, and kudos to jennifer at jenniferaskey.com. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mindful Academy podcast. For questions about this episode, suggestions for future episodes, or to request a consultation with me, email me at jennifer at jenniferaskey.com. This episode was recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 lands. The songs included in the intro and outro for this podcast are Heartache by Silent Partner and Piano Store by Jimmy Fontanez of Media Right Productions, both sourced through the audio library. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>